Welcome to the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss important topics for buyers, sellers, and investors in the Toronto area real estate market. Here's your host, Randy Selzer. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome back to my video channel. Uh, today, we have two special guests. We have Evan Ungar and we have Jordan King, and they're both with a company called Tuck Capital which is an investment company that provides financing and a lot of other stuff here in the greater Toronto area. So welcome, gentlemen. Nice to see you today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. No problem, awesome. guys. Thanks no for problem. having us, Randy. Oh, thank Happy you to be for, here. No problem. Thank you for being here. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the state of the market and uh, what investors should be doing right now, because I think most people watching this video know that the market has shifted considerably since the beginning of the year. But I thought before we get started, if you guys want to just tell us a little bit about yourselves and a little bit about Tuck Capital, so we'll know exactly where you guys are coming from. Could you do that, Evan? Yes, absolutely. My pleasure. So uh, Jordan and I have been working together for many years now in uh, different businesses, and uh, Tuck Capital was born um, out of a need for creative financing for different companies, uh, and it ended up uh, leading us more into the sector of real estate financing, which is where we spend um, the majority of our time through Tuck Capital is real estate financing. Um, and Tuck Developments came from that as well, which is our own um, real estate development and investment company. So um, two young guys out of Southern Ontario uh, making, uh, making it happen and, and encouraging as many others uh, to do the same. Well, I checked you guys out when uh, when we first connected, and I noticed you both have a background in athletics. Both you guys are like famous athletes, uh, which I never was. I always wanted to be athletic, but I was always too small and too klutzy. I could never <laughs> do anything. But uh, Jordan, I know you you won a bunch of awards in hockey. Is that true? The, um, I played quite a bit of hockey growing up from the age of four up until I believe 21 or 20. Um, but yeah, no, I, I played semi-pro hockey. I played for the Mississauga Chargers. Uh, oh at goodness. that time, yeah, there was actually a new league. Uh, they, they, they merged like all of the other leagues into one. And I got the first goal of that uh, new league. So they put my stick the into first... the Hockey <laughs> the Hall of Fame, which was hot... pretty exciting. <laughs> wow. The Hockey yeah. Hall of Fame and the first goal in a new league. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah. And, and Evan, I Googled you, man, and you're some kind of like Superman when it comes to long jumping or something like you're, you're famous for track and field. Uh, what's up with that? What, tell us about that. Yeah. So, so I have, uh, I, uh, I broke two Guinness world records for the highest standing jump in the world. One off of one leg and, uh, one off of both legs. Oh so my God. So I'm some fun with that. That's that's incredible, too. That's fantastic. So I'm dealing with two super athletic guys here. And here I am. I was always the, the athletic wannabe, but I was I was just not coordinated. I, I love football when I was growing up. When I was in high school, I wanted to play football, but I was too small. And, you know, we, I'd try out and every year I would just get the crap kicked out of me. Like these big guys would see me out on the field and they just hit me and send me flying. But those were good. Those were good times. Uh, anyway, so I'm you, the, I'm not the most coordinated. So, you know, uh, we've I don't changed know. Both of our, our athleticism has been into to real estate athleticism now. So All that's right. Kind of where we're at. So it. that's evolution right there. That's fantastic. That's it. So, okay. So real estate, 
Uh, I've been in the real estate market a long time. I'm not going to tell you how long because you'll think I'm from like the Jurassic era. And I know that you guys are millennials or yeah, right. And that you, your company primarily yeah. uh, deals with younger investors, younger people who want to get into the real estate market. Is that correct? So I think we deal with uh, all demographics, to be honest. Okay. I think where we give most of our advice is to younger Young people, older people, experienced investors, new investors. Um, and I guess the biggest change. That's exactly it. Right. And so the biggest change, we've, we've been on such a tear here in Southern Ontario for the last, what, 10 years or more. Where, At uh, least. Yeah. And it's just, everything's just been going up, up, up. And I know a lot of people I talked to, including a lot of younger agents, uh, have never experienced a down market. They just haven't. It's never happened before. Uh, and a lot of expectations that have been have been built into to investors is that no matter what they buy, whether it's pre-construction or whether it's a, a multifamily unit, it's just going to keep going up in, in price. And a lot of the strategies that they use, like, for example, the Burr strategy, which I know you guys are familiar with, uh, is specifically uh, going to work best if prices are going up, obviously. But we've seen a shift in the market. And hey, I am, I am not a bearish guy at all. Like I am very much pro real estate. I have been my entire life. In fact, I've been accused of being, having rose colored glasses and never worrying about a down market. Uh, but I do remember way back in the day, there was a big crash in 1989 in Canada where uh, real estate uh, values just plummeted and it took several years to recover. I don't think we're at that point right now. I really don't. And we can talk about that a little more Why? I believe like the fundamentals are still in place. We still got a super strong economy here uh, and there's labor shortages. What is that? You cannot have a recession when there's labor shortages. They can't find, and I'm not just talking about Tim Horton's kind of jobs, but all jobs. You know, you, I drove yes. down from Brampton yesterday. I was coming back from Brampton down Kennedy road. You guys know where that is. And it's an industrial area and every single warehouse and factory, every single one had a sign out front, help wanted, truck drivers, AZ drivers, forklift operators, general office help, factory help, every single place had a help wanted sign. So that's kind of interesting. The economy here, I think, is strong when you've got labor shortages and we've got extremely strong immigration coming in as well. So we can talk a little bit about that, but it's just me rambling here uh, to kind of set up the whole thing that yes, we have had a shift in the market and it's strictly due to interest rates and the Bank of Canada, God bless them, you know, they were willing to look the other way for years while we had inflation mm -hmm. in house prices. They didn't care. But now when it, we got obviously significant inflation in the grocery store or when you go to fill up your car with gas, that kind of stuff. Now they're reacting. And we've had three rate increases since the beginning of the year. First one was 0.25%. The second and third were half a point each. So we're just up a point and a quarter. But we're going to have another rate increase coming up uh, on July the 13th. I think that's a, a certainty. Uh, their next meeting. So we're going to have another significant rate increase. So again, I tend to ramble a lot, but I'm going to, after having kind of set up the parameters of what we're dealing with here uh, in late June of 2022, guys, um, tell us a little bit about what you believe. Uh, obviously, real estate investment is the, is the thing to do. It is obviously the thing to do. It outperforms just about everything. But what advice would you give to young people now who haven't got in the real estate market yet? Where, what should they be thinking about doing over the next six to 12 months? So I think for us, um, you know, we've, 
even although we've had like a lot of tremendous success in recent years with the market increasing at the rate it has, right. uh, Evan and myself uh, always like to look at history, right? Uh, uh, Evan and myself, uh, you know, we've had tremendous success in the last few years for sure. Um, partly, you know, most of it due to just how the market has been growing. And it was funny because although things were going very, very well, one thing that we always discussed internally is, hey, like, you know, it's one thing making money in an appreciating market. It's right. another thing making money in a stagnant market or a declining market, right? So exactly. when things were actually going, you know, very well for us, we were actually of the mindset of, okay, like, let's try and get ahead of the game and position ourselves so if things kind of do go the other way, we're not kind of caught, you know, with our hand in the cookie jar, right? right? Right. So, you know, we looked at getting rid of some assets that, you know, didn't debt service the way we wanted them to because the value increased so much. So those type of assets we actually liquidated. And then we are now shifting instead of the long-term hold, well, still long-term always, but instead of that immediate appreciation, we are now more focused on cash flow because we view real estate like stocks. And yes, your stock can go up and go down, but really what makes you is your dividends. And we view our rental income as our dividend cash flow payments, right? So like I said, now we are shifting gears from you know that immediate appreciation that we would see the last few years. And now it's more so, no, let's find really good performing assets. Um, we're still buying undervalued properties where we can increase uh, um, the appreciation by construction and sweat equity. But the main focus now is definitely on cash flow. Cash is king right now. Well, I think one thing that everybody in the real estate industry agrees on is that the rental market and rents are going to be extremely strong over the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, even, even with rising interest rates, you can make a point that a certain number of people are no longer going to qualify. There's a certain segment that's not going to get it. And so they're going to continue renting. So that's one pressure. And I went back to, uh, we can go back to what I mentioned at the beginning. There, there's still extremely strong immigration uh, into Canada. Uh, and I'm pro-immigration, by the way, completely. Um, I believe this year Trudeau said they were going to let in 410,000 people uh, as immigrants. And that's not including the Ukrainian refugees who are already coming in. That may be in addition to that. And history shows that out of that out of the total number of people that come to Canada, about half of them settle in the GTA. About, so about 200,000 people are going to come here this year, this yeah. year. And out of those 200,000 people, that's about 68,000 households that we will need to find for them to live somewhere. They got to live somewhere. Uh, and some people say, well, you know, we don't have enough housing stock here so they can move further out somewhere, move to Northern Alberta or something. But it's, you know, and nothing against Northern Alberta. That's fine place. But, um, you know, most people, they want to move to a place where they figure that their, you know, their prospects are good, that, that the future is bright. And so they tend to naturally gravitate towards the big cities, whether it's Toronto or Vancouver or wherever. Uh, so you can't force them. You know, you can't force them to move to Newfoundland if they don't want to. If they want to, again, nothing against the good people of Newfoundland. But uh, it's just human nature that they're going to come to where there's an infrastructure. There may be other people who speak their language. So if you're, you know, if you're moving from uh, China or whatever, not to pick on China, but, you know, you can find a Chinese doctor and a Chinese accountant and that kind of thing. So they're going to come to the big cities. So we know that. We know that this year about 200,000 people are going to move to the GTA plus Ukrainian refugees who are apparently trick trickling in. So that coupled with the fact that a big segment of first-time buyers especially are going to have trouble qualifying even to buy a condo at this point uh, i think 
and, and I, anecdotally, I can tell you that people who put their place up for rent, it's gone in a day, sometimes with multiple offers right now. Yes. Rents have never been higher. So guys, so Evan, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, um, how does that factor into the calculations that you guys do in terms of ROI? Yeah. So, I mean, Jordan said it so perfectly and you've, you've, you know, um, reiterated the premise of why uh, we've changed our model is we, we believe the same thing. We think rent is going to continue to go up and we think rent's actually going to take, I believe that rent is going to take an increase the way you've seen the appreciation and the actual assets. So I think we're going to see an exponential growth in rental prices. Uh, multifamilies are going to be yep. uh, going way up in value. I mean, especially if they're valued, you know, commercially, um, you know, based on NOI, you're going to see these values come up a lot on the uh, larger multifamilies. And then you're going to see a, a really big boom in single family home rentals being held by companies and corporations and we're yes. already starting to see it now so you're starting to see the funds uh you're starting to see the larger REITs get into you know single family homes not apartment buildings and this is something that yeah. has not happened in the past but is certainly growing right now and um you know Jordan and I were discussing uh the other day actually that I don't think people understand what happens when large corporations come in and pick up these homes. And it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's, it's business. And, you know, they, they're the ones who are going to keep these homes in the best shape. They're going to be the best landlords with the best systems, and they're going to have top tier quality for the tenants. So they're going to provide a, a, an absolute top tier service. Um, but those houses never come back on the market. Those houses are that's true. are lost inventory. You know what I mean. So the someone who buys a primary residence, that house will come back on the market. That's still a home that can be purchased later when someone moves on or they move to a different city, whatever it may be. But when large corporations come in and and, and buy, like I said, I have nothing against it. I actually believe in it. I think it's a good thing. Um, you're providing a really great service for the end user. But those houses do not come back on the market and squeezes yep. supply even further. And so yeah. as immigration is tripling and people are moving in and the city is becoming more of an economic, uh, you know, le place, the it's, demand is going to get squeezed. Isn't it great to be popular? I tell you, it's great to be popular. And uh, well, yeah. we've got, we, we absolutely have that happening right now. And I think Canada is uh, lately has been seen as sort of a safe haven uh, with all the turmoil that's going on in the world. First, we had COVID, you know, and that was major. Uh, I actually predicted that the real estate market would crash because of COVID. I was totally wrong, totally wrong two and a half years ago because uh, we just kind of brushed that off. It's like, okay, after a couple of weeks, no problem. COVID's going yeah. around the world. Let's buy a condo. You know, it just, it just, we ignored it. And um, people then, had money to spend. Yeah. They weren't going on vacation. Money yes. was almost free to borrow. You're being paid to borrow money in Canada at that point. I mean, you're right. So, you're, yeah. you're right. Then, uh, we have this war in Europe, which I just find uh, just unbelievable. I cannot believe in the 21st century yeah. that one country is invading another one. And that, I think, has contributed to some of the issues with the price of gas, for example, uh, because we're all, we're all tied into the, to the world. And going back to COVID for a sec, again, inflation, there's these supply chain disruptions, some of that. I get it. I mean, okay, so let's say, for example, not to pick on China, but let's say uh, a a factory in China that makes computer chips had to close down for a few months because of COVID last year, let's say. 
And because of that, there's a computer chip shortage here in North America, and that adds to the cost or the delay of buying a new car, that kind of thing. I get it. We're all kind of interconnected, but uh, it's been kind of like a perfect storm. But now we have something that affects real estate investors directly, and that is uh, rising interest rates. Um, I happen to think, well, we're going to have a couple more rate increases, but I happen to think that the Bank of Canada is not stupid. Like they're not, they know that if we got up to like an 8% mortgage rate, it's apocalypse now. Like we're done. Yes. They know that they're not stupid and they don't want that to happen, of course. Uh, so I believe that we're going to see some li more limited increases, certainly this year for the balance of the year. But that may be short lived. I believe that you may see them ratcheting things down again next year because they don't want a huge recession. That's the last thing they want to have happen. So, and Randy, I have to agree with you there for sure, um, especially on, you know, rates going up. I don't, I don't think it's possible for them to stay up. Um, you know, as Evan mentioned, you know, there's a lot of investors that are buying right now, you know, uh, REITs, uh, funds, hedge funds, you name it. And uh, when these companies are purchasing, what people have to keep in mind, like, you know, they're, they're not buying these properties with a mortgage. They're, they're buying them with cash, right? Yeah. So if these you look at it to me, these are smart it, it kind guys. Of, Yep. Very smart. Right. And like, you know, rent is coming up and, you know, like, um, you know, immigration is coming in. And the other thing I want to touch, it's not just people who are getting priced out of the market. It's also, you know, people that have the ability to purchase homes that are saying, hey, you know what, let's rent for a year and see what happens. And then maybe we'll buy a property. Okay. And these people are buying, you know, uh, they're renting properties with six months up front, a year up front, which is, yep. you know, really making it more stressful for your average and uh, renters that we've been accustomed to, right? So um, to me, I think it's totally a, a major squeeze yeah. um, because if you think about it, yeah, uh, the, the price, it, interest rates only affects people that have been borrowing, you know, right. based on right. bank money, right? right? But a lot of these REITs and hedge funds are using cash. And I think uh, that's where the squeeze is coming from. Okay. So I think one of the themes we touched upon today is that uh, number one, the short-term uh, goals maybe are not the best focus right now. You should be focusing out a little bit longer term goals. And also the big boys, the, I shouldn't say boys, the big companies, the smart people uh, are buying right now. You know, it reminds me of a, one of my favorite quotes is the best time to buy is when there's blood in the streets. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if there's blood in the streets right now, but it's a very interesting thing. And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of these big corporations are looking very seriously at the long-term play right now because the worst time to buy is when you're in a bidding war with 15 other people Correct. And, and you end up paying 200,000 over asking. That's the worst time to buy now. Which was the last two years, right? Yes. That was the last two years. Yes. <laughs> now, that was impossible for and you know what? Those in. bidding wars are pretty well gone, except even Correct. <laughs> there's bidding wars in rentals right now. I've seen a Correct. couple where they're going over asking. <laughs> So, okay, so if someone walks into your office or someone calls you up and says, look, uh, you know, we want to buy our first investment property, uh, what would you recommend that they do right now? Jordan, what do you think is the best uh, approach for them? So a, a rule of thumb that Evan and myself always have is, you know, regardless of what is what's happening in the market, uh, we like to really, really control where, how we're going to profit. And one of the ways we do that is by buying undervalued, dilapidated properties, you know, uh -huh. and then raising that appreciation from construction. So right. I'm not worried about the market coming up. I'm not worried about any of those things. I am just worried about, hey, here's a good property. If we renovate this property and bring it up and then get market rents, this mm -hmm. asset will be worth money. And this asset will also be cash flowing. 
So that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, mm -hmm. In the past, we have made, you know, great, uh, had great returns on properties where we've actually invested in new builds. And, you know, we put money in and you forget about it. And two years later, wow, you made two hundred dollars or $300,000. Right. So that's the type of stuff that we're kind of shifting away from. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, we're more into things that we can control where, that, where the appreciation is going to be. Right. And you get a hard asset that pays you rent every month. I mean, that in an Correct. inflationary environment, that's got to be the best place, the best place to be for sure. Okay, um, Evan. Okay, so why do you think um, if if a, someone came into you and said, "Okay, I can either invest in the stock market right now, which I don't recommend, by the way, or the real estate market," what what would you advise to them? What what would you say? What's what's the first place? Like, it's hard to find undervalued, although they are out there. They are definitely out there, uh, but Evan, what would you? What would you? What, what's the first thing you would do with a new client, in terms of trying to steer them in the right direction? Uh, honestly, do? I, or is that too broad? I'm not sure. I I, I don't know if it's too broad, but um, I'll say I'm I'm not as educated in the stock market as I am in the real uh, estate market, so I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tend to give people advice in stocks. Um, Let me tell but you. I would, I would tell them, hey, you know, based on what I'm well-educated in, this is where I would, I would put my money. I actually just had a conversation with a friend of mine recently, and this was the exact conversation. He says, well, why not stock? I, I said, no, you should be investing everywhere. You know, and and True. you should be creating multiple streams of of income and multiple streams of passive income. And there are good set it and forget it dividend stocks as well. Yeah. There are the same game in real estate there is in stocks. Um, I'll but tell you, my I'll, knowledge and expertise lays in real estate. And, and I'm no expert on the stock market either. But I can tell you one thing from many years of selling real estate: I have never met a person, any person, who ever got rich from the stock market ever. Now, I don't work downtown Bay Street or anything. I'm out in Mississauga, as you probably know. But I've never met a single person who came up to me and said, wow, I became a multimillionaire through the stock market or crypto or anything. But I have met many, many people who have become uber wealthy through real estate. And to me, that's all the proof I need. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, I, I, honestly, I've never yeah. met a, a single I mean, person. I, I think there's... Yeah, I, I think there's there's people in every industry who are making an absolute fortune, and well, you, know, there are. you can there be are. the top five yeah. percent in any industry and make a fortune, and then you can be the bottom five percent in the industry and, and lose your shirt. So, um, I, I I think there's there's a place to make money in every industry for sure. If someone walked in and said, "Evan, I have this much money," um, you know, my favorite strategy. This is so funny you asked this question. It's like literally the conversation I had with someone the other day. And they said, you know, like, I want to invest in stocks, you know, and, and I was telling them a lot of real estate investors will invest in real estate, take their net cash flow and put that into the stock market. And they said, well, why wouldn't I just put my, my like, if I have a hundred grand, why wouldn't I just put that into the stock market? I said, well, because you can put a hundred grand into an asset and then borrow against it to then invest into the stock market. And now you've, you've made two investments for the same one amount of liquidity, right? And and you're still getting a real estate investment that pays you in three, four different ways, right? You have your equity, you know, your 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 debt pay down, you have your monthly cash flow, you have, you know, your appreciation of your property. And depending on how you set up your financing, potentially uh, you know, some a way to leverage that property and then invest somewhere else as well. Mm. So I love the creativity behind real estate. Me too. Me too. 
Uh, so you guys provide financing. If an investor comes in and says, look, I'm looking at a, a multiplex property in St. Catharines. I'm interested, but I, you know, in, how do I get financing for that? Is that something that you could help them with, uh, Jordan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we could do it for an apartment building or we could do it as something as like a first uh, first time home buyer. Uh, we could do it for a first time investor. Right. So um, one thing that we take pride in is, you know, we'll treat a client that's looking for a hundred thousand dollar loan the same as we'll treat a client looking for a 50 million dollar loan. And um, yeah, regardless of what the size is, we still want to make sure we are giving that service and right. giving as much knowledge and expertise as we can, because um, when Evan and myself got into this, we realized like, hey, like, you know, once you have the knowledge, it makes your decision-making process a lot smoother and easier. Yes. And when you are dealing in a market where, you know, you have multiple offers and things are going without conditions and things like that, you rely on that knowledge to be able to pull the trigger quickly and not get a lemon, right? So um, yeah, I, I would definitely say, we help with all sorts of financing, whether it be, you know, institutional or whether it be on more of the private side, like whatever it may be and whatever fits what our potential client is looking for. That's what we um, try to cater to. Do you see that the uh, financial institutions are, are tightening up a little bit in the current environment? Have you seen some changes? Absolutely. Um, especially on the private side. I've we're seen... not going to hold back here, guys. We're, we're telling the yeah. truth. So people watching this and listening to this are going to get the, the straight goods on this. Okay. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the main things I've seen is a lot of privates actually aren't doing 80% loan to value anymore. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And I've seen them kind of say, you know what, 75% or 70%. Okay. And that tells me that they're kind of still anticipating a little bit of a retraction in the market. Yep. Um, you know, nothing too crazy from the actions that I've actually personally witnessed, but they are being more cautious. Uh, you know, a year ago, private lenders didn't really care. The market was just going up, up, up. So they're throwing money at, at anything. But yep. now it's they're really, really cautious on, okay, like, you know, um, are they going to be able to qualify? And what happens if uh, they, they lose a source of income or whatever it may be? And well, what's the probability that we can liquidate this asset quickly and recoup our whole cost, right? So um, that's what I've definitely seen in terms mm -hmm. of lenders shifting their perspective on how they want to lend and who they want to lend to. Have you seen any problems or have you encountered any problems with low appraisals? Because that's something that's come up with, uh, with me personally in the last couple of weeks. And uh, uh, I noticed the banks, again, they must be getting a little more nervous or something because the appraisals are coming in much tighter. Six months ago, it didn't matter. You overpaid by 200,000. Nobody cares. You got the loan. Correct. Now they're watching it carefully. Have you guys run into that at all with private uh, sources of funds as well? Absolutely. And unfortunately, I, you know, I've dealt with a couple of clients that they bought properties, you know, three, yep. four months ago when everything was super high. And then right. now that it's closing, banks are kind of sending out, you know, re for reappraisals. Right. And they're having to come <laughs> up with that difference, whether through a private or, you know, sourcing through family and friends. But no, I've definitely seen yep. on the finance side, the lender side, the banks and appraisals, they are being yep. a lot more cautious and conservative uh, compared to how they were about a year ago. Okay, I think that's right on. Uh, what advice would you give to someone uh, looking for a mortgage loan right now with keeping that in mind? Like, would you, would you counsel them to be just more conservative or not stretch themselves so far? Or what kind of advice, guys, would you, would you give to somebody who's a little bit worried about the kind of stuff that's happening right now? I think, I think everything comes down to research, comparables, and, and doing your due diligence properly. And, you know, part of it is having 
uh, a good real estate agent like yourself who can provide Thank you. them Thank you. with link you're, in the description. You're welcome, got you there. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So you know, part of it is making sure that you have someone who can do the due diligence and that research and be confident in them. Um, because at the end of the day, you're, you're going to get that appraisal and it's going to come in and your realtor should be able to help you understand where that's going to land. Um, so it's going to be twofold. One, um, get your pre-approval from the bank before you go house shopping. This is always the same advice we always give. Get your pre-approval before you go. Even as an investor, um, get your pre-approval or know where your risk is and, and how Absolutely. much you're willing to spend. And then and then shop the the properties. But you know, in this market we had over the past two years, looking at a listing price does not give you any judgment as to what the property is going to sell for. So your your realtor actually became more and more valuable over the past couple of years because you. what you see is not what you get. Um, yes. it, it, Thank you so, so much. Far from it. Thank you so much for saying that, uh, Evan, because it's so true. Um, a lot of the time you'll see some realtors will underprice a property or they, it has been the case where a lot of times they'll mm -hmm. underprice it to create a bidding war. They put an offer date in and uh, you know, it's a, let's say it's a condo that you know is worth Six ninety nine. They'll price it at five ninety nine. Deliberately underpricing it yeah. with a week to go, so that come offer date, you got twenty four offers on it. That's what they were doing in in uh, in January and February. I I personally don't like that, but we do what we have to do sometimes. Now yeah. I mean, uh, it's, that, very, it's great in a seller's market. Yeah, um, you know, for, if you're selling. But the problem it really is, you know, you're getting, in my opinion, and I'd love to hear actually your thoughts on it being firsthand in, as a realtor. Is you know. I, we sold a few properties in that market and you see, you know, you have to play the game with it as a seller too. So it's, you know, yep. we don't like to do it as buyers, but we like to do it as sellers. So right. you know, double-edged sword there, but you see, we'll get 10 offers, let's say on a property. And it just takes that one person who's like, well, there's 10 offers registered. I got to be the 11th. I'm going to come in swinging, but you never know those other offers were, you know, a hundred thousand dollars less, $50,000 less. And there's that one offer. And so yeah, it really true. takes, a really strong realtor on the buying side to tell you if it's worth your time and where you should come in at. So, well, thank you. Uh, a lot of that is, is just experience and intuition. It's not something you can learn in real estate school. Like you, you have, first of all, you have to be working regularly. Like you have to know what's happening in that, in that niche, in that specific area, uh, whether right. it's a single family homes in Oakville or downtown condos in Toronto, it doesn't matter. you got to know what right. you're, you got to know that the area. And you have to be doing it regularly because if you sell so many realtors, there's so many part-timers out there that do one or two deals a year to their relatives typically. Uh, and they don't know, they just don't know uh, what's happening with that. But multiple offers is tough. Uh, and I think I'm pretty good at it, but you still, you can't bat a thousand. It's impossible uh, because yeah. sometimes somebody will come in there and they want that house. Maybe they got burned four times in a row where they lost out. And now it's like do or die. They're like you say, they're going in with guns blazing and they're going to get that place no matter what no matter what it costs and the weird thing is i was always cautioning people we got to be careful because the bank is going to do an appraisal on this transaction and if it comes yes. in low and they said you paid 100 grand too much guess what you got to come up with the extra 100 grand cash before closing in order for this thing to close mm -hmm. it never seemed to be a problem for some reason they just let it run no problem the house was 1.2 you paid 1.7 no problem it, here's your loan you got it now, I think that's changed. So I think 
uh, a couple of things coming out of this people. And it's a good thing. I mean, all realtors were saying over the past year or so, it's not sustainable. And I interviewed a lot of people in the industry. They all said the same thing. You cannot have a 25% uh, price increase in one year. It's not sustainable. Per mm -hmm. year for three years straight, yeah. Right. And But now, now it's finally happened. And now everyone's wringing their hands well, I guess it wasn't sustainable and we got kind of back to reality. But I like what you guys have said is that you got to look at the long term, because when you look at the long term, this may be a good time to buy. Or as we get into the fall, it may even be better as a buyer, especially as an investor, uh, because Correct. you don't want to be in a bidding war as an investor. That's the last thing you want. And so if you can get... I, I, I... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I think that's, I think we're seeing that right now. Right. And like, as Evan has said himself is um, if you're finding the right properties, it's always a good time to buy. If you're finding the right properties. Right. And like we've said, um, you know, a lot of the bigger companies right now are buying up everything that they were getting priced out of a few months ago. Yeah. So to me, what I think is going to happen is, you know, the, the media does play a big part in uh, how buyers, uh, React, man. Um, I think there's a lot of fear in the market right now. Don't. And all I think it takes is I don't. I don't listen to the media. At all. Don't read and the Toronto <laughs> Star. Whatever you do, they're so doom and gloom. For them, it's like the 1929 crash. It's not going to happen. It's not. Don't get started with Jordan and the media. This will go on for a long time. That's all right, guys. We can go well, as long as you want. The media is looking for headlines, right? They They're are. Looking for headlines. Click That's what's going to drive traffic. It's, it's clickbait, click right? It is. But what and educated buyers have to remember is, you know, don't concern yourself with what the media is saying. Look at the numbers. You know, like yep. we spoke about on this call, look at the immigration. Look what's happened with the rental market. Look what's happening with corporations that are now viewing residential real estate as an A asset class. They never have done that in the past. So these are all things to keep in mind. And Evan and I have had the discussion multiple times that we firmly believe all it takes is just one month of the report saying, hey, the prices are going up again and watch what happens. Boom. Everybody <laughs> is going to jump back yep. in. It's Everyone's going to say, yep. oh my goodness, like the bottom is here. And then you're going to see things go up again. So I think I we're actually seeing uh, buyer's greed in a sense where it's not so much people are buying the properties that make sense for them, that fits in their budget. It's more so... Well, I don't want to buy a property now. If a year from now it's going to be a hundred thousand less, so let's just wait. And that's, everyone's just waiting. That's the number one thing we're dealing with right now it, at my yeah. end of the market. Uh, same thing where people buyers are a little nervous, and I I appreciate that they're a little bit nervous. But you try to convince them this is actually really good. If you're a buyer, this is a really good situation to be in right now. You're not having to chase the bidding wars; they're gone. So, um, but I think maybe a short-term flip. It's an opposite what, mindset. It's it an is. opposite mindset. Like, it is. Just like what you said, right? You're, you're trained to, to buy when there's blood in the streets, right? But like the average person sell ends up, you're supposed to you know, buy low, sell high. The average person doesn't do that. The average person does the opposite. <laughs> they, and so it's the same that up thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's the same thing in the yeah. real estate market. And, you know, people follow the masses. And as an investor, you need to follow exactly what Jordan said. You need to follow the numbers and that's it. And so if the numbers are, the prices are coming down, you know, average down, buy, buy more, get your prices on the way down. Right. And if, exactly. if you're buying, if you're buying for long-term cash flow, it shouldn't be an issue. As long as your, 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 your project debt services and you're going to be cash flow positive, then you don't have to worry necessarily how the market is doing in this smaller environment. It's more right. of a larger picture.
Right. And to add to that, I heard a, a phrase or a quote somewhere where it said, uh, real estate is one of the only markets where there can be a full on sale and no one goes into the store. You know, you go to any retail store, <laughs> you go to true. anything, a Black Friday, you say there's a discount, you'll see people fighting, literally yeah. fighting. Black Friday deals, at, but at Best Buy, they're estate, lined up around the block. <laughs> right? But real estate yeah, jobs and everyone runs. And it's, it's just like, it's you know, true. we have to change our mindset to realize like, no, like this is the opportunities um, on, on how you're really going to get ahead. And I think what was Warren Buffett that said the quote that you were saying earlier about, you know, uh, he likes to be, greedy when everybody else is scared you know what i yes. mean and yes. and careful when everybody else is being greedy yep. and i think that is a, a really good sound advice that's yeah. right on right on okay shifting a little bit what uh what advice would you give to someone who has been an investor let's say over the past five years uh let's say they bought five properties in the past five years uh whatever they are condos houses commercial doesn't matter what advice would, if they came into you and said, geez, I don't know, should we, should we be unloading these? Should we hold on to them? What advice would you give them? Guys, either one. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll start there. I'm sure Jordan will have a couple of things to throw in as well. Um, I, I would ask them first, what is your goal? And this is what Jordan and I always ask people. What is your goal? Because it's, it, and this is what we love about real estate is there's, I could give the same question 10 different answers based on each person's goal that came in, right? You know, what are you looking for? Are you looking to just sit back and, and set it and forget it? Are you looking to create generational wealth? Are you looking to scale your portfolio? Are you looking to, uh, you know, cash out? And how old are you? And what do you want to do with your money? And there's so many different mm -hmm. questions okay. that can be posed Good to point. give the proper answer there. Um, but if I was saying, you know, someone who just recently got in like five years ago and they're kind of fresh in the market and they have five properties, um, again, would ask them their goals. Most likely if they're younger, they're probably want to keep these and continue to grow a portfolio. I would give them the advice of, you know, potentially refinancing now, uh, while the market is still up and stable, uh, use those funds to purchase a couple more. You want to be cash ready. So you have two ways of doing that. All right. You have, you have your refinance with a good appraisal, uh, as long as you're confident with your, your risk and, um, your leverage. And then the other one is, yeah, sell an asset or two to be cash ready for additional purchases. Mm. Those would be my two uh, pieces of advice. Mm. Nope. Sounds good to Jordan. me. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there for sure. Um, and just to kind of, you know, in, in junction with what we've been talking about, uh, Evan and I, again, we're speaking about stuff. I can't remember what we we're watching, but they said, you know, 2002 is uh, going to be, uh, uh, 2022 is going to be the real test. Okay. Mm -hmm. And who can come out at the end of the year with liquidity is going to have tremendous opportunity for growth in the next two to five years. And I truly believe that. I truly, because think about it, money is getting more expensive. Lots of stuff is going on in the market. You are seeing a squeeze right now. That's what we're witnessing, a squeeze. Yep. And if you can come out of the end of this year with liquidity, I think you're going to be in a great position for growth the next two to five years. But I want to clarify one thing here, especially for your audience. Liquidity for investment purposes, not cash in the bank in a savings account. Two very different things. Um, and... Jordan's the first person to preach this. Like your money is becoming worth less and less and less um, due to inflation. So oh. this liquidity is not 
We're not talking about, hey guys, take your cash out, keep it in your in your, your savings account where it earns 1% or half a percent. We're talking about liquidity for the purpose, for repurposing your investments and for scaling right. your investments. Right. People need to keep an eye out that if they're earning 1% in their TFSA or whatever, 2%, yeah. uh, and inflation is 8%, they're actually losing 6% per year. And I believe inflation is yeah, way more than absolutely. 8%. But that's something people need to keep in mind for sure. Okay, very good, very good. Yeah, yeah. We see uh, we see a lot of people, a lot of young people who are who uh, are actually very well educated now, and it, it's very cool to see uh, a lot of people who are even younger than myself and Jordan um, coming up and and really grinding in this industry. Don't rub it but, in. Okay? Uh, don't rub it in. <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> but. Uh, but you know, you, you you start learning these tricks of the trade. You know, the average person thinks debt is very bad, and an investor thinks you know good debt is good. So you want to be taught these things. And you see people who are leveraging a line of credit at you know two three percent, loaning it out. You know, second mortgages and loaning it to businesses or investing it because you know you can make the difference. You know, and Absolutely. and inflation is is not a friend. So you got to get that money to work for you for sure. So capital in, for investment purposes, like Jordan was saying, for anything asset or investment related is really where you want to be. Absolutely. Cash is king, baby. Cash is king this year. Ain't that the truth? That is the yep. truth, guys. All right. Well, any other things that you'd like to touch upon today? This has been a great talk. Great talk. We should do this again sometime. Um, let's, okay. I'll ask you one. Uh, one okay. Each of you guys, not to put you on the spot or anything, but okay. If We're ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So either one who wants to go first, one piece of advice that you would give a potential investor now, today, in the middle of 2022, what would you, and I realize it's a broad question. We're not talking about young or old or de whatever demographic or whatever part of the, you know, what, whatever part of the market they're looking at, but what's the best piece of advice you could give someone right now who asks you, what about what should I do next? That's a good question. I would. I'm gonna give a would, pretty, okay, Go ahead, Jordan. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'll go. I'll give a pretty generic answer to that. And what I would say is again, I'm gonna go back to the knowledge. Right? Is you you want to make sure that you know you are getting as much information, correct information mm -hmm. as possible. And the problem with uh, you know the age we're living in now with social media and so many things. Um, there's a lot of people that may appear to know what they're doing that really don't. So you want to make sure that, you know, if you are going to find a mentor, if you are going to get knowledge, you are learning from someone who is actually doing it. And, you know, most people that I've dealt with, if they have, you know, nothing to hide, they'll say, hey, like, look at my previous deals. Look at what I've done. Look at what I did wrong here. Look at what I did correct here. And this is what you should do so you don't make the same mistakes I did. And uh, Evan and myself have the same where we say, hey, like, we're not scared to fail. We actually want to fail as early and often as possible so we can correct those mistakes and be on the right track. And I think um, for someone coming into the market, it's exactly that. And if you can get that information from someone who has gone through all those failures earlier in their career, it's going to be, you know, extremely beneficial for you and making those same mistakes. So I would say get as much knowledge as possible, but be mindful of where you're getting the knowledge from. Good point. Good point. Evan, 
What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do I follow that up? Uh, Jordan, very um, eloquent, very eloquent, Jordan. Okay. Yes. So, and it's true. Uh, just to, we do learn from our mistakes. We do. Yeah. And you know, the amount of mistakes I've made in my real estate career, I must be the smartest guy on the block. Let me tell you, because <laughs> we, we no, but we do. And, and most people who it's are willing, of, no, but of if learning, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what my biggest regret is after many years, more than 20 years in real estate is that I didn't buy more real estate. That's my yeah. biggest single regret. We all yeah, talked about it, but not too, and everybody bought a condo or two, you know, we all did that, but very sure. few people went out that I know r- realtors and bought a dozen properties or big multiplex kind of property. Very few people did that because nobody knew what was going to happen. So that's my regret. So, okay. There you go. I would say um, if I had to tell a new investor or someone who wanted to get what should I do right now? What should I do? We got some cash. Should I buy a commercial property? Should I buy a residential property? Should I sit on the sidelines for a while till the dust settles? Um, yeah, I think the best time to buy a property was 10 years ago. Second best time right now. You know, it's on. like a famous, that's a famous too, thing. That's too easy. Come on. <laughs> but, but I would say, I, yeah, I take the easy road on that answer. You know, I, I'm a big, big, I'm very, very big in goal planning. And, and I have to tell you, like, that question again is, is what are your goals? Uh, make sure you have very clearly defined goals. Um, but to be honest with you, I don't know if I would jump into flipping a house right now. Um, I would probably stay away from, from flipping at this. Yeah, short term right now is a little yeah, risky. riskier. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's the right word for it. So I would tell them, stay away from the shorter play. Look for something with longevity. Buy in an undervalued market. Should I buy a bungalow in Scarborough or should I buy a bigger house in Kitchener? Which is a better play? I would ask you a question as an answer and I would yeah. say, show me the numbers and, and okay. how it works. No, what, what is the purchase price versus right. uh, what you're going to get on rental income? And is there room to improve uh, right. the value of the asset for sure? I think right now what you're hearing from Jordan and I over and over is definitely um, what does the debt service look like? Because that is your longer term play it is your safer bet. It is your, it, it's your, it's your building wealth play, not your immediate, you know, uh, quick money play. It's your long-term wealth play. And that's what I was saying a few seconds ago is, you know, undervalued market closer to the price of build. Uh, it will be affected less with the correction if there's a, a, a bit more of a correction and your cash flow is going to be higher. Uh, the lower your purchase price is if you're in a good market with a low vacancy, your, your cash flow is still going to be high. Right on, right on. Well, listen, gentlemen. Uh, Evan Unger and Jordan King, thank you so much for joining uh, me today. I'm going to put your contact information um, uh, here on YouTube. It's going to be underneath the video. And we'll also thank post you. it on the podcast because this also gets syndicated out to a bunch of podcasts. So thanks awesome. again. It was a nice talk. I appreciate it. You guys are great to speak with. We should do it again anytime. Let me know no matter where you are I'm in the world, it. no matter where you are <laughs> in the world. And uh, we can continue this talk. I think we're going to have a very interesting, I think the next six months for sure could be a little choppy, which might present some opportunities. And, but I do believe personally that we're, it's not going to be anywhere near the doom and gloom that you're reading the Toronto star, just, just ignore no. that stuff. And uh, again, we have a pretty strong, the fundamentals are still in place. We've got a strong economy, tons of immigration. We've got labor shortages. Nobody, we never, 
there was never a recession with labor shortages. That I mean, there, there could be a slowdown, but when there's everybody, there's help wanted everywhere. Um, I think that the future. Go, go find better. someone to uh, go find someone to work on your house and see if you can get a renovation done in oh, the next six months. <laughs> don't even get me started uh, because you yeah. know it. They're going to say, "Yeah, we can do your ceramic tiles uh, November 2024." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those guys and there, and I have a friend, a Polish guy who uh, he's an, a master. He does ceramic tiles. He is booked up till November, and he says, "Randy, we can't get enough guys to do this." Like he said, I'd, okay. I'd hire I'd hire twenty guys right now to do ceramics, but nobody wants to do it, and we just it's a it's a labor shortage, and Correct. so very interesting times we live in. Anyways, thank you again, guys. Stay well. Have a thank wonderful you, Randy, day. Thank you very much. And we'll talk again. Appreciate soon. it. All right. Appreciate All right. It. Thank you very much. All right. Take, care. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.